Hello everybody, it's Julie. And I'm sure that doesn't surprise you because this is my podcast, so who else would be talking? I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple things today um, that I've been thinking about. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is how, um, how the church is supposed to be responding right now. And I find myself feeling extremely anti-Christian as I come against all these churches that are acting like the law doesn't matter. And because they've taken that stance, they have um, focused the attention of the law on them. So they essentially created the religious persecution by refusing to comply with the law. The interesting thing is about this coronavirus is it's very easy to spread it. People are asymptomatic and can spread it. They can be asymptomatic for as long as 14 days um, and can be very contagious during that whole time. So essentially, I could walk into my church service on a Sunday feeling completely fine, although I caught the coronavirus two days before that or even a week before that while at the shopping mall or somewhere else where I shouldn't have been hanging around. Caught the coronavirus and then I go to church because the... Some churches are still choosing to meet because they believe that they should be able to. And I go into this church service where they disinfected the building and have hand sanitizer at the end of the row. But I still have coronavirus. And as I shake hands with people, as I sing, as I talk, as I worship, as I possibly sneeze, I'm spreading that coronavirus all around. And then everybody leaves that church and they happily spread it to people who spread it to people who spread it to people. And we have the furthering of the pandemic. And then if they trace it back to the church who stubbornly refused to have a, to have the wherewithal to not have a church service, then how badly is that going to look? So essentially with these churches that are still choosing to meet, my issue is how it reflects on the community. And I have seen people, or to the community, and I've seen people write this on comments on people's posts when they're like talking about how dare the government try to intercede, what about the separation of church and state, Don't this is religious persecution. And I've had people go on there and say, no, you just don't care about your community. No, you don't care about the people around you. And that is how it looks. Now, granted, we can sit here and know for a fact that God will keep us safe. That, like, if he straight up told you, yeah, your your church isn't going to catch coronavirus, you're fine. You know, but how does it look? The Bible is very uh, clear about the fact that government, that Jesus put, God puts governments in place. And as long as they're not doing straight up ungodly things or demanding ungodly things that we need to respect our government government and our governing bodies. A lot of these um, local governments, the state governments, when they put these quarantines and these mass gathering bans out there, they did it in different waves and different amounts. So I'm going to speak personally about New Mexico because that was the one I was watching from China. And in New Mexico, when they released the first ordinance about mass gatherings, they left churches out of it. They specifically said that churches weren't a part of it. And my first response was, why? And I'll tell you 
why I thought that. Now, in South Korea, the pandemic exploded and just started wiping across South Korea because of a church gathering where maybe five or six people had the virus unknown to them. They didn't go in there on purpose to spread it. They didn't know they had it. Now, granted, this was not a Christian church. This is a cult. And it's, you can research it. It's out there as a cult. The guy believes he's immortal. I mean, it's not Christian. But that does not eliminate the logistics of it. So my problem is that we're going to sit here and arrogantly proclaim that we're untouchable because God would not allow us to get the virus. And yet, if you do research, a lot of people that have died um, are Christian. Even a pastor has passed away from this coronavirus. We cannot presume that we will not be touched by it. Um, I feel so horrible. I was, I was talking to God this morning and I said, I will full on admit God that I was a hundred percent wrong. If something comes out later down the road and it's like, yeah, see, this is actually what was going on, but nobody told us. And then I would just say, I didn't have all the information. This is what it looked like to me. And so this is what I said. I feel like it's a stubbornness that is unnecessary. And the two events I compare it to that just come to my mind immediately are the churches that, the snake churches that believe they can hold venomous, deadly snakes and not be bitten, and the Red Cup Starbucks protest that was just ridiculous. Because we can look at both of those from the outside and be how stupid, and yet with this coronavirus that is a global pandemic right now, Churches are still going to stubbornly insist that this is religious persecution. And if they had just taken the appropriate steps and shown that church doesn't have to be inside four walls of a building, that it can be in the community through social media, through, through different measures of um, reaching out to the community, then we would have seen a difference in the response the community is having right now to the church. Now, the response the community is having right now to the church is frustration because they're saying, you don't care about us. You believe that you guys can meet and you should be able to have church services and it doesn't matter. So some governors and, and mayors are responding inappropriately where they are putting these mandates out there. Uh, I believe it's uh, the governor of New York or the mayor of New York City, one or the other. Um, cause I didn't quite pay attention, um, where he threatened to close the buildings down permanently. Should they not be complying? He had some steps of action before it, where he was talking about like, first we'd come in and we tell you, look, uh, you're not allowed to have gatherings larger than so many people right now. You are breaking that. We're trying to stop a global pandemic, bloody, 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 please, uh, evacuate this building, bloody, bloody, bloody. If they refused to comply, then there would be fees and fines associated with their next step. And then eventually he, would, he said he would get to the place where he closes the building permanently. That last step to me is extreme and can definitely cross over to religious persecution. And that is exactly what a lot of the, like the attorney general and such are saying. You can't do that. That is, is not okay. Um, I just feel like we're self-fulfilling a prophecy here. So before this even focused on churches, so many people were 
blithely posting online, like, we had 200 people in church today, government's not going to stop us. This is religious persecution, government's not going to stop us. And I'm sitting there like, why are you throwing rocks at the government? It's almost like we were, like, the churches were invisible, and then they just started throwing rocks at the government, like, hey, dude, we don't care, here we are, watch us just not care. And now that the government's throwing the rocks back, it's this huge situation. But who threw the rocks first? And it was the churches. A lot of churches, the majority of churches have chosen to be responsible in the face of this pandemic, understanding that this is a temporary situation. A lot of them have immediately launched their social media uh, services, started sending out the appropriate stuff and preventing people from being in the church. Albeit, when I watch some of these online, there's still a significant amount of people inside that church. They have their worship team in there, plus some of their family members. And it's like, you're still gathering with a little too many, too much people. And I I know how it sounds coming out of someone's mouth that we're essentially saying, ah, however, I look at this, like, this is straight up temporary. Like it's extended because people are refusing to listen and people are getting frustrated about this. You see it all the time on social media. People are saying, Why can't you just stay home? Like, just put up with this for a few weeks and then it's a move on, but just stay home. So small businesses are being closed down. It's basically being boiled down to essential services. Each state is doing their own thing, handling it the way they're going to handle it. Schools have closed in the majority of the United States and will not reopen until the fall. We're talking about graduations disrupted. We're talking about jobs being lost. We're talking about pay being lost. We're talking about pay being cut or diminished. We're talking about small business owners suffering intensely. We're talking about so many things. And the church is just arrogantly sitting there saying, we will not comply. And that's the problem. That's the problem. There's going to come a day when our... Liberties are going to be taken away in America. The Bible tells us this. We are going to be persecuted. It is going to be illegal to preach God's word in, the, in America. It's going to be. We're going to have to face religious persecution. It's going to happen. This right here, these actions by a select few of pompous and arrogant people is just going to be fuel for that time. Because what is going to happen is when they start to lay out this religious persecution, look how anti-government Christians are, look how they don't care about their community, look at this and that, and the churches are going to come back and say, look, look, we we do all this good. And they're going to say, well, what about during the coronavirus pandemic, where you were all over Facebook, refusing to close your churches, where we had to go in and make you stop meeting in in large groups, When everything else and everyone else was complying and seeking to do the best for their community and and you were choosing to just be arrogant and rebellious and start suing the government for religious persecution when this was a global pandemic that was affecting everybody across the board, not just the churches. But the churches are the ones that are refusing to consider anyone. And they're sitting here thinking that this is essential. And I know that hearing the word of God is essential. But is being in the church building essential? That's the question. And why can they not see that? 
The government is not saying that they cannot hold services online. The government is not saying that they can't preach and have their, their services live streamed. This has nothing to do with it. So in Kentucky, over Easter weekend, the mayor, the governor of Kentucky had to, there are seven churches in the state of Kentucky that are refusing to shut down, seven Christian churches that are refusing to shut down. So the governor had to say, look, guys, here's the deal. If you are going to be meeting on Easter Sunday, we are going to go send people out to your parking lot and we are going to take photos of your license plates. And then a health health person from the health department is going to go buy your home and you are going to have to self-quarantine for 14 days, you and your family of wherever this license plate is registered. In arrogance, the pastor still held his church services. So when they arrived that day at one of the churches, I, I don't, they haven't said anything about any the others, but when they arrived at one of these churches, and the governor did point out that there was one church they constantly focused on. So I think one church was just being belligerent this whole time, is my opinion and my thought. I don't know. They, they talked about this one church, and the, when the pastor and his, his parishioners showed up, they, the parking lot had all these nails in it. So... They're like, oh, they, people tried. And I, I honestly believe that was someone in the community that just is fed up with the arrogance of these churches. So they had to clean up these nails so that their, their parishioners or their congregates could get in. And some stayed in their cars and, and listened as a drive-in uh, church service. Now, I can somewhat stand behind the drive-in church services only because some people just need that. They need to feel that coming together where two or more are gathered. If someone lives completely alone, it's really, it's not impossible because we need our alone time with God. However, to have that community feel of being with God is vital. So I can understand the drive-in churches. That makes total sense. So few stayed in their cars, but others went in knowing that if they did so, they would have to face this quarantine and everything. So they had notices put on their cars. Your license plates have been taken down. You will be visited by a health uh, department employee. You're going to have to sign an agreement that you will self-quarantine for 14 days. I don't know how belligerent or, or pious or pompous uh, the congregates got when they were visited by the person. Um, I do know for a fact that the pastor and some of the parishioners um, hid their license plates and then the pastor said that he emailed his to the mayor or the governor the day before. But I'm like, if you'd done that, why'd you hide your license plate? Um, they just took down the VINs of the cars so they still know whose car it is. I just find it so petty that you would hide your license plate. It's like slapping their faces again. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, ugh, it just so bugs me. It bugs me so bad. We are supposed to be in leadership. And, and, and we're leading people. And I keep using the proverbial we. Because I don't want to be all pointy fingers, although sometimes I'm saying they. And but anyway, um, but we're all Christians, so this is going to reflect on all of us. Even if my and I know that my my church in Santa Fe, they've they've been live streaming almost from the get go. Um, <clears throat> they've been live live streaming, and I know a lot of other churches are as well. But the, the it's the exceptions, and the exceptions aren't going to matter. It's just like if, if they meet one hypocritical, angry, abusive Christian, it, it taints their whole view of Christianity. How are we not connecting the dots? I feel like I'm in the twilight zone lately. There's so many things I'm seeing that I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, how are you not connecting the dots? 
How are you, how is, how is it not connecting in your brain? It's so glaringly obvious. I just, I can't wrap my mind around how people can insist and argue. It's ridiculous. So I, I did some videos and I have, I have some videos I still need to put online, but I don't know if I will. Um, they're sitting there waiting because I've been dealing with this for so long. But I, I, I think like the, the point is, I said, if God tells you to still have church, have church. I really don't firmly believe that right now. I believe this was a test and is a test of how are we going to honor God? Are we going to be anti-government and, ref- and consider ourselves separate? I, I can see so much backlash coming out of this. And, and they think that they're going to start crying religious persecution and go to churches and, I mean, go to court and, and be screaming that this was all religious persecution. And they're just going to look at them and say, the stinking Olympics were delayed a year. How do you feel that this was focused on you? The only time it got focused on you was when you refused to just step back for a couple weeks. When you were, because you refused to not meet. That's when it became religious persecution. But even then it's not religious persecution. They just had to respond because you're basically sitting there thumbing your nose at the government saying that you don't care what the government is having everyone else do. You don't care what your community is going through. You don't care what small businesses are going through. And you're going to sit here and probably say something like, yeah, but that's when they need the church. Yeah, that's when they need the church when they're in their homes. And you have the opportunity to live stream, but you're choosing to live stream and meet in the church. You want, you want to just be above everybody. That's what you're telling people. I want to be above everyone. So we're just going to do this our way. And then if they come after us, we're going to say it's because we're Christians. No, it isn't. I I just, that's, that's my thing. No, it isn't. I mean, any lawyer worth his spit is going to be like, dude, you're going to lose this case. Just settle, man. Any lawyer worth his spit is going to be like, I'd love to go to the mat for you. But nah, man, you, you were endangering your community. I mean, you're choosing to have 300 people come to your church and sit in your building and then go out into the community and run into like Walmart to grab the essentials they need. And then they've spread it to Walmart. And then they go home and they spread it to their family. You're choosing that. Because you feel like you're above the law. Guys, there's a time to fight. There is. There's legitimately times to fight. I don't feel like this was the time. And now we're in a fight. Now it's turning into religious focused I'm not going to say persecution because I feel like they're responding to what we're doing. Persecution is when they're, they're like, oh no, they're, t- they're saying things we don't like. We're just going to go after. This is them just saying, what are you doing? Why are you not thinking about the community you're supposed to be serving? What are you doing? How is this okay in your mind? And then they're spreading poison online saying that this is saying all the stuff they've been saying. And, and, and it, it just, it's, it's disturbing to me. 
And I, I feel so dirty to have to come out and be like, why is church and, and be saying all this stuff because I'm a Christian and I understand the value of church. The Bible says not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. The, the thing is, the Bible tells us to be as wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. And I feel like in this situation, we're not being either. We are, we are being as harmful as serpents. We're, we're sitting here thinking we're immune and we're above everything. And we're, and we're not going to be touched by the coronavirus. Do, do Christians get sick? That's a legitimate question. Do they? And the answer to that is yes. Why are we thinking that we're untouchable in the middle of this coronavirus and that our churches are just going to be untouchable? Why do we think that someone without coronavirus or with coronavirus is not going to walk through our doors? Or if they do, it's not going to spread. Where is that, that coming from? When if we look at, at life, we are protected as children of God and we are blessed and we are anointed. However, we are not above getting sick. We're not above facing tribulations and trials. I just, I, we as humans create our own issues and then we like to blame the devil and we like to blame the government and we like to blame our moms and we like to blame our dads and our siblings and our ex-boyfriends and our ex-girlfriends and our, our neighbor and our coworker. We like to blame everybody, our kids. We like to blame whoever we can, but who's the common denominator? In every failed relationship, I'm the common denominator. In every fight, I'm the common denominator. At every job, I'm the common denominator. If the problem is the same, I'm the reason, right? So with these churches, right now, what's the common denominator? The common denominator are churches that refuse to not have people in their building. And even with these drive-in churches, do you need a staff of 30 to stream online or to do a drive-in service? You still have the too many in your building do you need a full worship team or do you just need a guitarist a singer and your preacher why does it take 30 people to stream a service it's just it's things like that and and i i really believe like all this is going to blow over but people are going to remember they're going to remember. And the most detrimental thing is going to be that time that someone goes to someone's door and they're like, yeah, but your church didn't care about us during the pandemic. You kept meeting. You didn't care that, that my husband couldn't go to work. My kids couldn't go to school. That didn't mean nothing to you. You still had your church service. It didn't matter that the rest of the community couldn't do things. As long as you got to meet, you got to have your service on Sunday. You got to bring in your tithe and offering. That's what they're going to call it. They're going to say that you just wanted to do it for the money. Tithes and offerings are pivotal in Christianity. To not give your tithe, to not give your offering, that's robbing God. However, to many Christians and to many, and to most, if not all, unsaved, the church is all about money. And that's probably what some are thinking. The only reason they're meeting on Sundays is to get that money. Because they don't care about us. If they cared about us, they would be streaming at home and they would not be endangering the rest of the community by having people come together in a mass gathering, which is how coronavirus can spread quickly. Um, America is facing a 
very dire time. And I was thinking about that a couple days ago. And I'm like, what would it be like if I was there? Because like when SARS happened, like any, all this other stuff, I mean, I've lived a pretty untouchable life. I mean, God has blessed me greatly. And even now in China, I've been protected from it all. It happened in, in Hubei and in, in, in Wuhan. That's, and it's, that's far from Shanghai. It's a heck of a lot closer than America, but it, it's far from Shanghai. We had, they, because they, Shanghai locked it down. We had a small number of cases and they were not increasing. This whole time they were not increasing. Yes, I've been in some insane amounts of isolation. Folks, I have been living alone with very limited contact to the, with like people and, and talking and hanging out since the middle of January when they started us on Chinese New Year. I have been in a one-bedroom apartment with two cats, a foster dog, and two turtles. And every once in a while, I get a chance to talk to someone and go out. I had an opportunity to go out today, and I chose not to do it. But that's because I was going to be going somewhere where I'd have to ride on the metro for an hour and 45 minutes. And now that there's been an increase in imported cases in Shanghai, and we've had some situations occur that have led to our center reverting us back a step where we're not going to work in the center for a little bit again. I was like, I don't want to risk sitting on a metro 145, an hour and 45 minutes one way, an hour and 45 minutes the other way, and possibly getting red carded on my, my QR code. And I know that sounds really crazy. I was literally dressed and ready to go this morning. And I said, I just, I don't want to sit on that metro. It's all about the metro. I could have paid 145 quai either way, which was like, would come out to what, like, let's see, like $300, 300 quai round trip if I had chosen to take a DD, but then I'm still sitting in a car. And granted, there, you know, the chances of me actually catching coronavirus in that car are pretty slim, but same thing. I'm trying to be smart about it. I would love to go sit and hang out in Starbucks. I took this very blithely at the beginning, so I can understand, like, people not responding with, like, abject terror, because I didn't at first either. I was like, this is stupid. It, was only, it wasn't until Starbucks wouldn't let me in their building that I was like, hmm, I should probably take this a little more serious. I mean, the first little panicky moment was when I couldn't enter Starbucks without a mask because then I was like, how do I get my coffee? The next little panicky moment was like a little bit less than a week later when you couldn't even sit inside Starbucks. You had to walk in, place your order. You couldn't go up to the counter. You had to place your order on the mobile app, stand and wait for it to be brought to a table and grab it and walk out. And then just a few days after that, you couldn't even enter the building. That's when it hit home for me. I couldn't sit inside my Starbucks. So even with these people having been in, in basic quarantine and and social distancing stuff that's been going on for about three weeks. Guys, since the middle of January for me. It's April 15th here. Since the middle of January. I, I have never been this isolated in my entire life. I am glad that I've had some moments where I've been able to get out and do some stuff. I'm glad that I had some time where I can go to the center. Um, however... Today, when I was sitting there, I, I just, I want to go home. 
I really do. It's not time for me to go home. I, I believe God kept me in China for this year for a specific reason, and we're slowly getting to places where it's going to become clearer to me. And I don't know where he wants me next year. But man, after all the stuff and coming back full circle to, nope, you guys got to stay home. We'll let you know when you're going to start coming back to the center part-time again. I'm, uh, I just want to go home. I don't know how much more of this is, is going to happen. We're just facing some uncertainty. And at a time like this, the church should be reaching out into the community, showing them they care, showing them they understand. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for you, but we're willing to take the hit too. We're not going to just be pompous and arrogant and still meet in large groups because we feel like we're able to. Because that's, that's how it appears. And I, I just think it's important for us to, to know why we're doing what we're doing. And so this is going to wrap up this segment. And what I want to do, and so if it doesn't happen, it's because I didn't get responses. I'm not the most popular person in the world. I'm going to post on Facebook, and I'm going to, I'm going to post a, a poll. And I'm going to say, should churches be exempt from the mass gathering rule? Yes or no? And then I'm going to say, please comment below. And then what I want to do is I want to do my next podcast reading these comments and the way people are feeling and, uh, and make that my second segment on this. So hopefully that actually works out. All right, so this is a midway segment. So this, this podcast will have three segments. Uh, I wasn't expecting to do this segment, but this morning I was reading um, in Jeremiah, as random as that sounds. But I had this, um, one of those where it has like the black wax over it and you, you scratch it with like a wooden dowel and it, it shows color underneath. And my favorite scripture is Romans 12. Um, my favorite, and I love Romans and I love Song of Solomon. Romans 12, if anyone ever said, what's your favorite Bible verse? <laughs> I don't necessarily have a favorite verse. Uh, I have a favorite chapter and that's Romans 12. In Romans 12, if you look, okay, there's 21 verses in Romans 12. If you look at Romans 12, 2 and Romans 12, 21, you can merge those two verses and create a very awesome coherent verse. And I'll show that really quick. So on Romans 12, 2, the living Bible translation says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. And then you'll learn from your own experience how his ways really will really satisfy you and then uh 1221 is don't let evil get the upper hand but conquer evil by doing good so um and what's really cool is my nephews went to a, a bible summer camp thing you know they do the vacation bible school it's like a week long um usually just the morning or the afternoon and my nephews can still quote romans 1221 because that was the verse of the the summer camp or the vacation Bible school. All right, so if you combine the two, you would do it right here. So you would say, don't copy the behavioral pattern, behavior, okay, sorry, let me start again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And then you go to 21. Don't let evil get the upper hand. And then you go back to two. But be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. And back to 21. Conquer evil by doing good. And then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. So if we do that without, 
I know you're like, what? Again? You're going to say it again? Yes. If we do it without me telling you that I'm merging it, this is what it sounds like. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't let evil get the upper hand. But be a new, new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Conquer evil by doing good. Then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. Isn't that awesome? I, with my, all my study of Romans 12, that is um, the thing that stood up the most. But that's not what this podcast is about. I just had to share that because I love Romans 12. I really do. If you want to read something, read Romans 12. It's For me, I'm going to just tell you, Romans 12 is the basic call of every Christian. So God is going to give us a unique call. Uh, for me, it's purity, working with young adults, working with, with teens, working with women in the realm of purity. Granted, I'm not running the race really well with that um, and how God would want me to do it, but every day is a growth. Um, but every Christian has to do Romans 12. And I, I could do a whole podcast on Romans 12, so maybe I will, but not today. Um, this is all about coronavirus. <laughs> so anyway... So when I was flipping back and forth, which is the point of this podcast, um, and I was getting uh, that 21, I looked down and, and lo and behold, Romans 13 is, a, is one of the scriptures I constantly refer to. Did I know it was Romans 13? No. So Romans 13, 1 through 7 is all about obedience to the government. So that's what I'm going to focus on for this podcast, very short. And then um, probably in a day or two, I will gather the responses I've gotten on Facebook. Granted, I haven't gotten many, but I've gotten some. So that's appealing to me. And I will, I will gather those responses and I will do the final segment and then I will release this into the internet and it'll be my first podcast in probably a month. So here we go. Uh, we're going to go with uh, 13, 1 through 7. Obey the government for God is the one who has put it there. There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. So those who refuse to obey the laws of the land are refusing to obey God and punishment will follow. For the policeman does not frighten people who are doing right, but those doing evil will always fear him. So if you don't want to be afraid, keep the laws and you will get along well. The policeman is sent by God to help you. But if you are doing something wrong, of course you should be afraid, for he will have you punished. He is sent by God for that very purpose. Obey the laws then for two reasons. First, to keep from being punished. And second, just because you know you should. Pay your taxes too for the same two reasons. For government workers need to be paid so that they can keep on doing God's work, serving you. Pay everyone whatever he ought to have. Pay your taxes and import duties gladly. Obey those over you and give honor and respect to all those to whom it is due. All right. There's a whole lot to unbox there, but we are just going to focus on the obeying the government ofs. Um... I'm going to read the commentary um, for 13.1 um, and 13.3. Christians understand Romans 13 in different ways. All Christians agree that we are to live at peace with the state as long as the state allows us to live by our religious convictions. For hundreds of years, however, there have been at least three interpretations of how we are to do this. One, some Christians believe that the state is so corrupt that Christians should have as little to do with it as possible. Although they should be good citizens as long as they can do so without compromising their beliefs, they should not work for the government, vote, or serve in the military. All right, pause. I don't agree with that. I'm just going to tell you outright I agree with number three. So I'm just going to tell you that outright. Uh, so here's number two. Others believe God has given the state authority in certain areas 
and the church authority in others, Christians can be loyal to both and can work for either. They should not, however, confuse the two. In this view, church and state are concerned with two totally different spheres, the spiritual and the physical, and thus complement each other but do not work together. Okay, I don't fully agree with that. It's a little more, it makes a little more sense than number one, but it's not what I agree with. Here's what I agree with. Still others believe that Christians have a responsibility to make the state better. They can do this politically by electing Christian or other high-principled leaders. They can also do this morally by serving as an influence for good in society. In this view, church and state ideally work together for the good of all. And I believe that. That's what I 100% agree with. So back to the commentary. None of these views advocate rebelling against or refusing to obey the government's laws or regulations unless they clearly require you to violate the moral standards revealed by God. Wherever we find ourselves, we must be responsible citizens as well as responsible Christians. Are there times when we should not obey the government? We can never allow government to force us to disobey God. Jesus and his apostles never disobeyed the government for personal reasons. When they disobeyed, it was in order to follow their higher loyalty to God. Their disobedience was not cheap. They were threatened, beaten, thrown into jail, tortured, and executed for their convictions. Like them, we are compelled to disobey. If we are compelled to disobey, we must be ready to accept the consequences. When the police are unjust, good people are afraid. In this verse, Paul is talking about police who are doing their duty. When the police are just, people who are doing right have nothing to fear. So my focus is the fact that it says right here, and this is a commentary, um, unless it requires you to violate the moral standards required by God. Because there's an ar- there could be an argument broached very easily when you, you look at the Bible saying that the, the Bible tells us not to forsake the coming together of the saints. Okay? Um, but is the coming together of the saints going to be detrimental to the community overall? Because we are supposed to be doing good in our community, right? If you look at the bottom of what I believe here on number three, um, you can... Um, uh, the church and state work together for the good of all. And you have to, uh, they can also do this morally by um, serving as an influence for good in society. And um, so I don't feel like the social distancing, um, no mass gathering things is a morally against God's law. And that's where I'm basing all of my arguments from, Okay. Once again, most places did not enforce or make churches follow the mass gathering decree initially. This came after they realized coronavirus was still spreading and ideally, like, just across the board, let's just not have mass gatherings. Across the board, meaning everybody. This is why I don't believe it morally, it doesn't morally violate God's laws. Because... It wasn't focused on churches until the churches brought the focus onto this themselves by refusing to comply. And right here we see in the, in the Bible, it says, obey the government. There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. So those who refuse to obey the laws of the land are refusing to obey God and the punishment will follow. The exception is if it is, goes against God's decree. And if you look down here with the, the specification in the notes about it being a mo- against it morally, taking... A month or two where church cannot physically meet in a building and it's not focused specifically on a church so like if this mandate had come down and said we are no longer allowing churches to meet and that had been the mandate like it had nothing to do with anybody else no one else was affected everybody's able to go about their day 
you know, everything else is still going to happen, like the Olympics, which are not going to happen this year, and all of that. I, I just, I think that should just be like the huge red flag that this is not, not about religion. Um, besides the other glaringly obvious things that tell you it's not about religion. So we should have, as Christians, been like, yes, we are called to obey our government because God puts them over us. Um, and this is not against the moral standards of, of God's law. This is a social mandate only for a temporary time while this coronavirus is going on. Instead, we're seeing Christians create problems instead of just being like, we get that this is not about religion. We're going to find ways to work around it and work with our government in this. Should it turn religious toward the end of this? Should it turn religious after this? We can fight that. But at this point, there was no focus until the church is made focus. And that's kind of the point. So that's the point of this whole podcast. Self-fulfilling prophecy. The church has started spouting that this was religious persecution when it was anything but. And there's a lot of documentation that can prove that. Um, it did not start as religious persecution, but now they're pissing people off and now it's becoming religious persecution because they self-fulfilled the prophecy of it. Um, a lot of pastors are going to lose in court. Some may win, like in the case where they're saying they're going to close a building down permanently because that's just a pissed off person responding out of their bias instead of being like, look, logistically and logically, you cannot have a mass gathering. Please stop. That's all we're saying. Just give it a few more weeks and you'll be fine. Um, everybody will just go back to, to having church and everything's going to be fine. We're not doing this permanently. But then when someone's like, we're going to do this permanently, now you have religious persecution. I feel like most people are going to lose in the regards to any other kind of fight. Um, I think the only ones will be things like that where they try to make something permanent. Um, but any other fight that these churches try to have about this being against religion specifically are going to lose because it's not. And there's tons and tons and tons of proof that this was not focused on religion until they made it focused on religion. So that's that's this part of the segment. And like I said, the last segment will be um, the comments that people have made on my Facebook post. I'll share what the post was. I will share their comments. I will share my thoughts on their comments. And I will not be sharing any names and I'm removing the post once I get all the information from it because I didn't set that up to be a debate. So um, it's just for me to gather some comments for my podcast in a very clever way. Huh. All right. So that'll be the next segment. All right. So here we are at segment three, which should be a very quick segment. So on April 15th, I posted podcast question should churches comply with social distancing and mass gathering limitations why or why not note please do not debate in the comments i need some opinions for my podcast i will be deleting this post in a few days i will document all responses and use some on my show but names will not be used okay so i've officially deleted the post today it's April 18th. So I got some responses. So one said, yes, this is a national health issue. God expects us to help ourselves. He gives us the tools and we are supposed to use them. One of the tools right now is social distancing. He also tells us that the kingdom of God is within us. It is not found in a brick and mortar church. It is within each and every one of us. Below is what one of my friends posted on Facebook about this. The Lord is speaking about obedience. It's not by chance that we are called to stay home 
this time and especially during Passover. We are going back to our first love. Jesus, I added this for those who may not know what she means by first love. We are to obey authority that he's put in place, social distancing. So we are not visiting anyone. It's a matter of obedience for us. God is definitely in control. Thank God for anointing others and speaking to us through others. I totally agree that God is trying to teach us obedience amongst other things, such as contentment, to be appreciative, thankful, grateful, helpful, peaceful, reflective, etc. Okay, I, com- I agree. And, and that's been my, my thing for most of this. Um, I believe that the church is uh, doing a disservice to itself by believing that they have to meet within four walls to be considered the church. I also feel that we are setting a very poor example for the government and for our community when we are refusing to comply with the mass gathering and social distancing rules. Uh, A lot of people will bring up the stores, the fact that the stores are there and people can have like, there could be like 50 people in the store. How come there can't be 50 people in the church? My argument to that is most people go into the store, get what they need, get in line, go out. Most times they're not close to people. They're not talking to people. The exception would be if they need directions uh, to find something in the store. If something isn't where it should be and they're, they're asking if they're out of an item. And at the end when they're actually purchasing their items from the clerks. My hope would be that they've given these clerks masks just to limit the spread of COVID-19. I don't know how these stores are handling things. I'm not in the U.S. And every store is going to be different. My other thought about that is the fact that when they are in line to purchase their items, they are maybe in line for five minutes, if even that long. I know sometimes we see a lot longer lines that wait a lot longer. But I feel like they're in lines for a short amount of time. Most people have that basket between themselves and the person ahead of them. So that allows for that distance. Granted, it should probably be a little more than just the basket. But that basket helps to create that social distancing buffer that needs to exist. When they're at the cashier register, the register itself and the conveyor belt creates, once again, should be a little bit further, but we can't have perfection, creates a little bit of that social distancing. It would still behoove people to have masks or to be aware as when we talk, we spit. I know we don't want to believe that, but it's true. So that's my argument about how come the stores, and I think that's later. I don't know why I went into that now, but that's okay. But the point of fact is, this, I do believe this was a time about obedience. This was a time for the church to show that not everything is personal. Not everything should be taken personal. We live in a day and time right now when that is the big thing. People want everything to be personal. So if you don't like something, it's a personal attack. If you don't agree with a person, it's a personal attack. That is the world that we live in right now. This was an opportunity for the church to show we don't take things that way. We don't believe that just because social distancing and mass gathering rules have now affected church services that we believe it's a personal attack because it isn't. It is becoming more of a focus on the churches basically because they have refused to comply. Many churches, I have to say the largest percentage of churches, probably about 90%, have actually complied with this understanding that it was not a personal attack. It's that 10%. That makes the rest of the churches look bad. And that's where this issue comes in. So this is a really good attitude to have by both these these people. The one that said, I believe that we should not be having the mass gatherings at churches at this time. And the one that gave this, this information about how it's an obedience thing. 
I completely agree. So another one is um, a response I got says, churches should abide by CDC recommendations on social distancing. Having said that, it does not preclude the church from gathering as a body as long as social distancing is observed. You can't have two different standards, one for churches and one for supermarkets. They must be evenly applied. The church is the people, not the building, but to be a church, they are, call, they are called out and assembled together. Um, that can be done in accordance with the CDC guidelines. As Americans, we don't leave our constitutional rights at the door in emergencies. We find appropriate ways to exercise those rights while keeping in the spirit of health precautions. Social distancing is only in place because not all people are gloved and masked. If they were gloved and masked, why could they not have a regular church service? The problem today is anti-religious people in power are trying to use this pandemic to further their political agendas. Okay, I don't agree. And I'm going to tell you why. But you already know why. But I'm going to tell you why. Okay, I already talked about the stores, so we're not going to go into that again. Um, First of all, if they had come out at the beginning of this pandemic and said churches can't meet, and that was the first words out of their mouth, it would be religiously motivated. That was not the first words out of their mouth. In fact, most places waited and didn't start limiting church gatherings until they realized how bad this pandemic really was. So they already kind of started things like, uh, we should probably limit how many people are, were around, blah, blah, blah. Point in case, because that's the state I, I will be returning to is New Mexico. I was watching the New Mexican um, response. And when the governor came out with their first mandate, um, it, it excluded churches, specifically. Said that churches were, that the, one of the exceptions was churches. And then later it came out, no, it's just got to be everybody. So I feel like people with this response are causing, the, causing a problem. I mean, they're not necessarily doing it themselves. But the, the mentality that, first of all, we're giving up a First Amendment right. Um, I don't feel we are. I think that we have to just look at things in a logical way. And, and we need to look at it like this. If we are going to say that anytime we obey the government, we're giving up some right, then we're just damaging ourselves. When in truth, what we need to look at is this is a temporary solution to a problem that should go away. As long as we are not properly adhering to the temporary solution, the problem remains. Okay? So... I consider this not to be them taking our rights away. I consider the government to be telling us, look, guys, we need to partner together. We need to do this like the rest of the world is doing it. And I, I know that that right, right away people are going to be like, oh, but we're not supposed to follow the rest of the world. I get it. We're a democratic society. We should not have to follow the rest of the world. But I believe there are exceptions. And, and I, I think we can see that things could have been a lot worse. And with fake news and stuff, we don't, we don't really know accurately what's going on. We're hearing five different stories for one thing. And it's really hard to weed through the chaos and get to the legit uh, truth. And part of that problem is the mainstream media, which likes to publish everything with their own biases, filters, and propagandas engaged. And I really wish that the mainstream media could look at things objectively and put aside their biases. But they have gotten away with it for so long that you cannot get an unbiased opinion. And that is even true for 
like the extremes. So like I, I love talk radio and it's even true for like my conservative radio shows I listen to. Even they have their biases. I am able to objectively look at, I may not agree, I may get upset about things, but I'm able to objectively look because I, I don't hate anything. I don't, I don't hate anybody. Let me put it that way. I don't hate the Democrats. I don't hate the Republicans. I don't hate the liberals. I don't hate anybody. So I'm able to look at that and look at what they do and, and objectively see the logic behind it. And I think that's part of why I sound so different from a, from a few, a lot of Christians out there or a lot of the ones that are being very vocal and put it that way. And that's why my view sounds so different because I'm able to look at this and say, we should not be meeting. This is not religious persecution, but it is now becoming religious persecution. So as he's saying here about the social distancing in a church, I explained why that doesn't work. You're in a church for an hour, hour and a half, close quarters. You're going to be singing. You're going to be talking. You're going to be praying. And that releases things into the air. Um, and it stays in that building because you're inside that building. Uh, it's been proven that masks don't necessarily prevent the spread of COVID-19. What it does is it prevents your spittle or if you sneeze or if you cough from shooting across the room. Okay. So in that regard, it helps with the COVID. However, the virus can still fit through that mask. Okay. Um, so even if everybody in the church congregation, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is suffocating to wear that mask. So you're going to have, you know, 30, 40, a hundred, some people with masks on still in the same building in the same environment where a virus can still get out, still be breathed in. It's, it doesn't solve the situation. So when you're looking at a church that is getting coming together and they're spending time together for an hour, hour and a half in a situation where you're not going to be able to hold in a cough for an hour, hour and a half. Whereas when you're in, in the grocery store in the line and you're like right about to reach a cashier and you're like, okay, I really need to cough, but I can literally wait till I get outside. Right? Cause some people will do that. Some people will just turn and cough in their sleeve. I mean, it, you do what you got to do. Uh, cause I hate it. Once you know, you got to cough. It's like the, that feeling does not go away. You start to fixate on it. It's crazy. So that's my, my opinion about why stores have a different standard. I also consider stores to be essential. I don't consider people having to be in the church building in order to hear a church sermon as being essential. And the reason I say that is because there is media online where the, the church service can be shared. There is also the ability, using social distancing, for a pastor or someone to visit a person that does not have internet access and share a Bible study with them or find a way to do it through a phone call. There are ways that if we really wanted to, we could creatively reach everybody in our congregation, continue with engagement, and even reach more people if we would just look outside the walls of the church. So I don't believe meeting in a church is essential. I believe church is essential. I'm, I believe reading the word of God is essential. I, I believe praying is essential. I believe worship is essential. I just don't believe it has to happen within the four walls of the building. I also believe drive-in churches are a good thing. However, I think that they're not necessary, but I understand their purpose. So if a church wanted to have an, a drive-in service, I would completely agree with that. I feel that it keeps 
people in their cars, but they still feel that community and that coming together, which helps with the isolation and the feelings of loneliness that will come upon all of us. At the same time, how many people are in the church building? So that is a question toward these churches. If you need more than five people to do your worship service, that's more of an ego thing for you. If you can't just have your piano player, maybe a guitarist and a preacher, or a piano player, a singer, a guitarist, the preacher, and a person running sound, lights, whatnot. If you can't narrow yourself down to five people, you have to ask yourself why. Because it's still detrimental, okay? Um, if all of you live in the same house, so let's say there's 10 of you living in the same house, it's completely possible, and all of you are part of the worship team, the, the lights and sound, blah, blah, blah. Well, you live in the same house. So if you go to the church, and there's 10 of you in the church, you're all going back to the same house, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're together no matter what. But if you have your guitars coming from one house, uh, your sound coming from another house, your um, video person coming from another house, pastor is coming from another house, uh, worship leaders are coming from three different houses, and then they bring their families. So you have like 15 people in your church while you're doing remote services or while you're doing a drive-in service. That's questionable. I still feel like that's too many. And once again, this is all my opinion. There is no re you don't have to take, you could take it or leave it. This is just my opinion and my thoughts on this. I think that if we were able to run a church with five people, then inside the building, then more power to you. That's the way it should be at this point. Okay. And, and adding to that, um, some people are able to do it with just one or two at home. The pastor and the wife. Now, I wouldn't have that ability because I am not musical and I'm not married. But I don't have that ability because I wouldn't be able to lead worship. I mean, I could, but who wants to hear me sing? But I, if I was going to do it, if I was leading a church, if I was a pastor, or if they told me, Julie, you need to lead Sunday service, I would say, okay, uh, I need one person to work sound and just make sure the video turns on for us to live stream. I need one person to, to sing and one person to play guitar. And I'll be there. So that's me, guitarist, singer, guitarist or pianist, singer, sound, lights. That's four people. And I could run a service with four people. Okay? Um, through social media. It takes a lot more when you actually run it through, the, like you're actually in a physical church. It takes way more people. But to just run it through social media. So that's my thought. Um, so they're saying that they're using this pandemic for their political agendas. Not true. Now that some churches have rebelled and refused to use the to obey the mass gathering requirements, social distancing, and have basically showed they don't care, now it's becoming an agenda. And now those that hate Christians or hate Christian churches have their own biases are now going to extremes, which is going to lead to some lawsuits. Um, as I've said earlier, most of these lawsuits are going to just drop because it was not religious persecution. Some of it's turning into religious persecution, so those ones will actually have um, grounds for the lawsuit. So another person replied, 100% yes, as in yes, they should be obeying the mass gatherings and the um, social distancing rules. 100% yes, church is a building, God is everywhere. Once again, I agree. I believe this was an opportunity for us to utilize small groups, opportunity for us to utilize social media, utilize phone trees, utilize messaging trees, utilize reaching out to people in whatever means you could find. Just 
being safe about it and being smart about it and showing the government that we are not, we're not, first of all, we're not just blindly going to go along with things because we're still sharing God's word. If this was legitimately um, religious persecution, that would not be allowed. We would be shut down completely. Um, but that's not true. We're able to do things. Um, and it would have been our, our time to show that we are not a building. That we are people in a community and we can support our community and we can still be the church without a building. And this was our opportunity to show that we're not reliant on a building. And then finally, the last comment was, we are called to be obedient even to authority. And this is teaching us patience and perseverance, how to be grateful, how to be content. And it is not a matter of whether or not we should meet in person. We can still meet online. These churches that are online right now are reaching more people than have ever been met by meeting in a building. And that is exactly what I've been saying. That is 100% what I believe. And unfortunately, the, the pot stirrers out there um, didn't reply. And I kind of have wished they had because I would have liked to have had their, their opinion on this, although I've shared their opinion on my YouTube channel a lot. I still have those three videos and I don't know if I'm going to post them because things are shifting right now and I probably should post them anyway. Um, I just have to be aware that of the climate and that is my thing. Um, I completely agree with this last comment 100%. I have nothing negative to say about that. Um, I, we all know the caveat, you're obedient to authority unless it's telling you to be anti-Christian. And at this point, it's not telling us to be anti-Christian. Um, so we need to be aware of that and we need to look at things from the perspective of how it's going to look to others. Um, I've done on other podcasts, I've talked about how um, we need to be aware of what our actions look like, what we're, what we're living out as we're, we're living our Christian life. And I, I, when I was talking about like celebrating Christmas, I, th I feel it's more detrimental to be uber religious and anti-Christmas, even knowing the truth. You can teach people the truth that, you know, the time they went to Bethlehem was not December. It was more than likely July or thereabouts. So Jesus was more than likely born in the summer that Christmas was the joining of a religious pagan holiday with the Christian holiday to try to get more people involved in the Christian celebrations. Um, same thing with, with Easter, uh, was more, was, is more of a, a pagan holiday. Um, however, I feel we're more detrimental to be anti everything than it is to, to on, to honor the, birth of Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ in our own homes, in our own ways, and then not heaping judgment and condemnation on people that have a Christmas tree, that give Christmas gifts, that celebrate it in, in December when everybody else celebrates it, that in, experience the joy of the seasons, that people that give an Easter basket to their kids, that hide Easter eggs and search for them. I think it's it goes along with that eating meat sacrificed to an idol. If we don't believe the idol has power, then what does it matter if we eat the meat? However, we have to be aware that eating the meat, if that was going to cause one of our Christian brothers to stumble, then we should not eat the meat. I feel it's more detrimental to be judgmental and condescending than it is to let people have a Christmas tree or an Easter basket. Um, I feel it's the same way with this church. I feel that we are doing more damage by insisting this is religious persecution, insisting that it's a violation of our rights, 
and insisting that we can still meet. And we are doing more damage by that when we could actually be reaching people like more people are, as that last comment said. We are reaching more people through social media because there's been an explosion of Christian services on social media. And we're reaching a lot more people because of that. And then we're gonna and then we have the little negative naysayers that put sarcastic comments out there that uh, about um, churches being not meeting that are questioning the faith of churches that are choosing to do what the Bible says and to obey authority and do social distancing and mass gatherings being limited for a time. And once again, I go back as I've done every time to the fact that the actual Olympics have been postponed for a year. Uh, that's the biggest event that I can think of that has been canceled. Well, not canceled, but postponed. A lot of events have been canceled. A lot of events are postponed. Cruise ships aren't cruising. Flights aren't happening. This is not religious persecution. And if we keep making it about that, we are going to see that it becomes that. Self-fulfilling prophecy is essentially what we're doing. And so I, I really appreciate the people that commented. As I promised, I didn't use any names um, because I respect privacy and I promised people I'd use their names and the post has now been deleted. So even if you went to my Facebook page, you wouldn't find it. So I hope that this was helpful. Uh, this is my first podcast in a while. Um, so hopefully I can get back in the groove of doing a podcast. If you have thoughts, questions, ideas, um, please comment. Uh, or send to my email htal.podcast at gmail.com God bless you all. We'll get through this pandemic together. Hello everybody, it's Julie with Hefzibah Talks A Lot. I'm just going to take one second, okay, maybe a little longer, to talk to you about writing.com. Now I'm not doing this for any money, or anything. I'm just letting you know about a great supportive community that I think it would be great for you to join. Writing.com has been around for a long time. They actually started out as stories.com and I stumbled on them when I was a lot younger and joined and eventually they got too big for that domain and became writing.com in order to encompass more than just storytelling. This website is amazing. It is a community of writers and readers. So if you're not a writer, but you love to read, join writing.com. If you don't really read a lot because you're so busy, but you love to write, join writing.com. If you're a little bit of both, join writing.com. It's an amazing community. Now you can get a free account and then they have paid memberships. I currently just do the second tier, the upgraded membership. And it allows me to have more items in my portfolio. I love to pay to have a membership because I love to support writing.com. That's the main reason that I pay to keep my membership up updated and current. But I just wanted to have an advertisement about writing.com. Once again, not for any monetary gain. It's not even an official one. Uh, they won't even know I'm doing it. But I just want to encourage people to go and join writing.com. It is truly a place that has helped me develop as a writer. It has helped me be encouraged. And I have met people there that have been my friends 
through the distance online and have supported me and offered me advice with my writing and has been, have been there with me or for me as I've made these transitions to China and other locations. So once again, writing.com, W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. Join today.